following is a message from Living Waters Church in Elk River, Minnesota. For more information, visit livingwatersmn.org. Today I want to talk about the wonder of hope and keeping the wonder of hope. Um... Because I think even when we set out to talk about hope, we realize that it's a fairly familiar topic to us. It's something that feels familiar, the, the great Christian hope. And yet I've been praying that it would feel supernatural to us in this season. Have you felt hope in an unfamiliar way in this time? I'm hopeful that we have. That, that our connection to hope um, has been deeper, that it's, it's meant more. For some of us, it's meant more because of the season that we're in. Hope has been a, a deeper um, revelation because of what we might be walking through. But today I want to talk about the wonder of hope. I'm going to read our verse that we've been focusing on, Romans 15, 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And this verse is so, so rich. That's why we can talk about it for eight weeks straight or whatever it's been. Because there's so much richness in it. First recognizing that it is the God of hope that is the one that we're, we're pressing into for the sake of hope. That hope isn't found anywhere else, that there's no other thing or being or uh, circumstance that we can set our affection on and have the stability that we have in the God of hope. And so even just the beginning of that has connected us to the very source of hope that we would be filled with all joy in, and peace, that he, he fills us with joy and peace, that it comes through him, that, that there are things that I cannot convince you of, but the Spirit of God can convince you. The Spirit of God can fill you with the truth of hope in him so that we would abound in hope. We're meant to overflow with hope, to have more hope than we need for ourselves so that it can spill on other people, so that we're, we're just splashing hope everywhere that we go. And so the goal really has been that we'd come out of this time abounding in hope, overflowing with hope, so that we can have authority in the hope that we have to speak into situations, to make declaration into, into situations, but also so that we can give an answer for the hope that we have. These are some of the things that I'm just giving us a quick recap because I can't help it. Um, you know, that we would that says in his word that we would be ready at all times to give an answer for the hope that we have. And that we want to have this abounding hope so that people are asking us, what is wrong with you? Or what is right with you? What is it that you have hope in the midst of this time? That they would see what we're walking through whether we're walking through the same things they're walking through or our own times of trial, and there would be this hope exuding from us that would cause them to say, what is it that you have? 
So that's, that's what we want to abound in. And my favorite part is that it comes by the power of the Holy Spirit. So we've been soaking in that over these weeks to give the Holy Spirit time <laughs> to fill us to abounding. That by the power of the Holy Spirit, we would be convinced of this hope that we have. We would be anchored to it. We would lay off anything else that we're connected to, anything else that we've had hope in, and we would choose to have hope in God alone and allow him to fill us with that. Last week, Pastor Bob really focused on the part where it says that he would fill you with all joy and peace in believing. And he really challenged us in what it is that we're believing. That hope really is comes out of our belief system. What we hope in creates the belief system for us and, and what we're willing to uh, press into and move into faith in. And so because that's true, we need to be really certain that our hope is anchored in the right thing. The word tells us that hope does not disappoint. And the kind of hope that it's talking about is the hope that's found in the revelation of Jesus. That hope does not disappoint. And so we need to be certain that our belief system is built around that hope. What's amazing as we come into this Advent season is that Advent is about celebrating kind of these bookends of hope. Do you recognize we're, we're in between these bookends of the first coming of Jesus and his return. And so we have this opportunity to see hope. Give me a sec. I got all excited during worship, and now I feel dry. Uh, we have this opportunity to stand between the hope of his first coming and the hope of his second coming. We have an opportunity to see how that played out. I love this uh, quote that was posted online by uh, Reverend Glenn Pakiam. I don't know him personally, obviously. But uh, I've seen a lot of his, his um, sermons. And one of the things he said is, in Advent, the church stands between two proclamations. God has come, and come, Lord Jesus. The first grounds our confidence that the second will be answered. The life, death, and resurrection of Jesus shapes our hope in the return, reign, and renewal to come. That's what I'm believing for as we, as we celebrate Advent together, that that celebration of him coming would explode on the inside of us in a hope and a faith for the return, reign, and renewal that he's bringing to us. That, that there would be something in us that would be girded up in our hope. We have this benefit of having seen the result of the first hope, of the thousands of years of hope. You know, it's an amazing thing when we look at his word. Today, the, the first candle that we light is the hope candle, otherwise called the prophecy candle. 
because it talks about the fulfillment of prophecy and, and that it was a hope that came to light, it came to pass. I love the verse in Galatians. I picked it because one of my favorite uh, sentences in the Bible was, um, and when the time was fulfilled, or and at that time, there are promises in our lives that we're waiting for, and when the time came, it, when the time was fulfilled. But there's something that's so comforting to me in that, and that there was an appointed time. It wasn't like, like God was unable to bring Jesus before that, or that he was being held back from, from bringing him, or that he had forgotten that he was bringing him. There was an appointed time, and when the time was fulfilled, he acted and he fulfilled the hope that they had. There are things in my life that there is an appointed time to be fulfilled. And I can hope in that, and I can have confidence in that, because we see it in Scripture. We had two prophetic words from Isaiah. They were written about 700 years before Jesus came. 700 years it was declared unto us a son is born unto us a child is born unto us a son is given and then that hope was fulfilled when Jesus came and so we we have this um, opportunity for us that they didn't have that we we have seen the fulfillment of hope that that was walked out. There's over 300 prophecies written in the Old Testament about who Jesus would be. And I was looking at an article that talks about, they they just took some articles, take eight, some articles take 15, whatever, and say, Here, here's at least eight that he fulfilled, here's 15 that he fulfilled. The truth is he fulfilled over 300 prophecies. And the chances of that, when they, I'm not a math person, so I'm not giving you any actual round numbers. <laughs> but in these articles, the chances of that are ridiculous. The odds of one person fulfilling even eight or even 15. So we have this hope. Even, even uh, okay, math, going back to math. The, the chances of Jesus fulfilling, one person fulfilling even eight prophecies from that many years before, written before, is like one in 10 trillion or something. Or 15 prophecies, it goes up incrementally. But he did that. And this is a hope that we can anchor ourselves to. Even when we look at when these prophecies were released in the Old Testament, that Israel was actively turning away from God often. Israel was actively turning away from him. And God was constantly speaking and he was saying, I have hope for you. I have hope for you. I've I've laid out this hope. 
And he was constantly calling them into hope. That's the essence of the Christmas story, that God came to a people who were without hope. That he came to a people, it says, that they were stumbling in darkness. Or that they were sitting in darkness. The people that were sitting in darkness have seen a great light. (laughs) That God came to a people that was hopeless, but light dawned on them. That's the hope that's abounding in our lives. That there are people in situations that are hopeless. And we get to bring the light of hope to those. That's what we get to celebrate as we celebrate Advent. The Christmas story is a story of hope. It's that hope that's an anchor to our soul. In 1 Peter 1.13, it says, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Some translations say, set your hope. We can't fix our hope to anything else because he alone is proven to be steadfast. Even even as we talk about the fulfillment of prophecy over time, he alone can demonstrate that steadfastness, that that, uh, ability to fulfill hope. So, What I want to do with that today as we talk about hope is how do we keep the wonder of hope? The last time I preached, I talked about that hope has a language. It has a way that it talks. And hopefully you guys have done uh, your declarations of hope, that we've had an opportunity to, to declare the things that God's sharing with us to declare. But hope also has a posture. Hope has has a way of of positioning itself. And that's in waiting and wonder. That, That we would keep our eyes fixed on the wonder of hope. I think sometimes we can have our eyes fixed on the wonder of other things, on what else is going on. That that we can be in such wonder (laughs) at the, the things that have come into our lives, at the way things are going in the world around us, that we lose our sense of wonder for the God of hope and for what he can do, for the one in 10 trillion chance of fulfilling the prophecy in Jesus, the wonder of that. Are we more impressed with the deeds of darkness than we are with the Father of light and the light of the world that he sent? Are we more in wonder of that? I have talked probably almost every time that I've spoken on this subject about the story in Mark where the disciples are in the boat and um, the storm comes up, because we've talked about having hope in the midst of the storm, being anchored in the midst of the storm. So they're in the boat and the storm comes up 
And they become afraid because the boat is filling with water and Jesus is sleeping in the boat. Remember that story? So he asked them the question, why are you so fearful? And we've been asking ourselves the same question. In the situations that we're in, in the, the struggles that we're going through, why are we so fearful? But what I thought was really interesting, if we look as that story kind of resolves, Mark 4, Uh, In verse 40, he says, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And then it says, And then they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the waves obey him? They thought they were afraid before. But it says, And then they feared exceedingly. And the two words are different, actually. When he says, Why are you so fearful? The word that he uses has the connotation of being terrified, having cowardice, or revering something. So much that you cower before it. So what he was saying is, why do you revere the storm so much that you cower before it? Why do you have so much wonder for the storm? And then when he showed them what he could do, It shifted, and they had exceeding wonder for who he was. They had more wonder for who he was and his his largeness than they did for the storm. And that word, when, when it said, then they feared exceedingly, that word means to be awestruck in awe, to marvel. That's the shift that God's bringing on the inside. This wonder of hope that he's raising up in us. Can we, even right now, can we have that wonder of hope (laughs) for what's going on in the lobby right now? (laughs) Can we have the wonder of who our God is? That he's moving mightily on her behalf. Amen? God, we thank you that you're moving mightily. In the midst of a storm, we don't have a reverence and a cowardice for the storm, but we know you are moving mightily. This is the wonder of hope that we need to have. It's the same word that was used in Matthew 9-8 after he healed the paralytic and the multitude saw that he healed the paralytic and it says, they marveled also could be translated feared, they marveled and glorified God. This is what I want to capture in the season of Advent, that we would marvel, that we would have a wonder for who our God is that far exceeds, where it says they feared exceedingly, that we would marvel exceedingly over and above what, what we marvel at in the storm that's going on around us. That we would be in wonder and fear him more than we're in fear and wonder of the storm. That we would be in awe that God will do, of what God will do. 
more than we're in awe of what's happening. This is the wonder of hope. And how do we hold on to that? How do we hold on to the wonder of hope? How did they hold on to hope for 700 years? Those prophecies were released 700 years. Generations of people who hoped for that, who carried wonder for this God, didn't see the fulfillment of that prophecy. But they carried a hope for that. They passed on a hope for that generationally. They, they remembered. People who weren't there to hear the original prophecy remembered the prophecy. It's kind of like when I remember reruns that I saw. Yeah, I remember the Lucy show. No, you don't. You weren't born yet. Right? I have no, that's not in my notes. I have no idea what that has to do with Jesus at all. But, but there is this remembrance of what God has spoken. And we, carry, we can carry a wonder for that, or we can carry the wonder and disappointment of not seeing the fulfillment of that in this moment. I want us to choose to carry the wonder of what he's done and what he said he's going to do. And we have the benefit that they don't have of having seen him do something. We have the benefit of having him prophesy things about Jesus up to a thousand years before Jesus came. There are prophetic uh, words about Jesus in Genesis that were fulfilled. We have that benefit. Surely we can carry the wonder of hope for him, what he's bringing to the earth, for his reign, for the renewal for the restoration of all things. So how do we carry that? How do we posture ourselves in that? David was the best at it. Well, maybe not the best. I haven't, I don't want to give awards out. We don't do that, but he was really good at it. So he didn't always start good at it, though. And I'm looking at uh, Psalm chapter 77, and we're not going to read the, the part. You know how it starts. He's crying out to God. He doesn't know where he is. Have you forgotten me? Why do you turn your ear from me? Have you run out of love? Have you stopped being kind? Have you run out of mercy? He says, I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. How many of you need that t-shirt? <laughs> I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. I need that t-shirt. I was so troubled I couldn't speak. Will the Lord cast off forever? Have you stopped being favorable to me? That's how it starts. But this is where he goes. In verse 11... Chapter 77, verse 11. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. I will also meditate on all your works. This is how we stay in the posture of wonder. This is how we stay 
having more wonder for who God is and what he's doing than what's going on around us. I will remember. Remembering is a powerful tool in the Christian life. It is what has sustained the the Christian faith over centuries. Remembering. Remembering the faithfulness of God. Remembering who he is. In fact, Jesus connects lack of faith with not remembering. He, He connects a lack of faith with not remembering. Do you know, the disciples did not have a good track record in boats. Because here's another boat story. They had just gotten on the boat, and he was talking about the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod, and he was, he was making an analogy. This was after he had multiplied bread and fish, and he's talking to them about leaven, and they begin arguing about who forgot the bread. Oh, he's saying this because we forgot the bread. And Jesus said one of those things, I'm, well, I don't know if he said it here, but you know how often he said, how long will I be with you? And he said, oh, you of little faith, do you not remember the fish and loaves? And he went on to remind them of how many baskets of abundance were picked up after it was multiplied. Do you not remember? He connected that having little faith to not remembering. Remembrance is a really important posture in the Christian faith. That's why testimony matters. That's why it matters that we tell the story. That's why traditions are helpful, especially when the the Spirit is on them. Because they help us to remember the the wonders of our God. Your brain has merely, in our our ability to understand, our brains have a practically limitless capacity to remember, to, to store information. Like, like <laughs> some of us have more than others, apparently, I'm hearing out there. But, but it does, the best guess is that we have 2.5 million gigabytes, at least. And that means nothing to me. That means a lot to Jesse back there. That means nothing to me. Here's one that might help you. That's about 300 years worth of constant... Netflix shows. <laughs> that, that, that capacity to remember. The thing is, though, we have short-term and long-term memory. And when we have short-term memory, there's things that we dismiss before we store it in our long-term memory. So we're constantly, you know, I'm going to forget some of the moments today. That's why I don't always listen back to my sermons because sometimes I want to forget that I said that thing. But I'm going to forget some of those moments unless I put them into long-term memory. So what happens is, in the day of trouble, when we have trial and turbulation in our lives, we begin to wonder, 
Are you faithful anymore, God? Are you still the king? Have you forgotten me? Has your mercy run out? Have you become distant? Do you still love me? Where is your kindness? We begin to, and we need to have memory to pull up in the midst of those moments that reminds us of who God is. When I remember and I wonder about who he is, I can see him more clearly in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the trials that's going on. When I forget what God has done, I begin to live and to act as if he doesn't multiply bread. The disciples, the question that Jesus could have asked them is, why are you living as if I don't multiply bread? Why are you acting like I can't multiply bread? And this is a question I can ask myself in, in my own life. We, we do not have the luxury of living as if he can't multiply bread. We do not have, have any right to live as if he cannot do the impossible. And so we have to stay in that place of remembrance because it helps us to truly see who he is. And there's a way that we can partner with that because I think God made for our brains to help us remember. These memories of who God is or what he's done in our lives can, can become long-term and more easily accessed based on the frequency that we access that information. Here's an here's a expert. His name is Jim Roth. And he wrote an article about memory. It's a secular thing. It just talks about how to, to cultivate memory. He says, we can easily remember the ideas, items, and information that we turn our attention to often. We can quickly forget the ideas, items, and information that we only touch once or twice. We tell our memories what is important to store by how many times we practice retrieving the information. We are more likely to remember something if we encounter it regularly. This is how we stay in wonder. We remember. We actively remember. This is why um, I've, I can read this book every day, even some of the same verses. This is why I can preach to you out of the same boat story time after time. Because it helps us to access that information repetitively and it becomes remembrance to us. It becomes something that we have said, this is important and needs to be accessed easily. Now, if I were to be honest, there are things that I have taught myself to access more easily. That I have gone back to more times and connected to that memory more times than I have the wonder and the remembrance of who God is in my life. I can teach myself to constantly go back to those memories of disappointment or those, those memories of, of not seeing fulfillment 
But what I want to do is train my mind and my spirit to go back to those places that remembers the goodness and the faithfulness of God. And I can, I can remember that even just in the story of Christmas and in the Word. So, so I can remember things that, that weren't necessarily personal to me, but become personal to me. Because this is the nature and character of the God that I serve. I want to remember those things. How do I stay connected to the wonder of God? I actively remember. What does David say? He says, I will meditate on your word and talk of your deeds. So we want to meditate and, and actively remember the words of God and what is true. And then we want to talk of his deeds. This is why testimony is so important in in the house of God. That we are constantly telling one another, here's what God is doing, here's what God has done in my life. You know, Pastor Dave has told the story of how he came to the Lord a bazillion times. 10 trillion, no, I'm just kidding. He's told it several times. And there were, in in all honesty, I go, yeah, I know, Dave. We've heard this story. But there is such a sweetness in it for me now. Because it's become a remembrance for me. It's become a, look at the life that came out of what God did in that moment. I wasn't there. But it's become a remembrance for me. And when I encounter somebody who's walking in a path that he was walking in, away from the Lord, in rebellion to the Lord, I remember that God encountered him in that. And I go, I have hope that God can encounter this person in this. Testimony is so important. And not just testimony like up here, like what are we testifying to one another? Yes, it's good to share, I'm struggling with this, this is going on, this is going on. But are we testifying to what God's doing in our lives, what he has done in our life? Give that as a gift to one another in this season. Give someone else something to remember in the faithfulness of God by sharing what he's doing in your life. So we're going to meditate on his goodness, and we're going to declare it. This is how we're going to stay in wonder for who he is. We're going to declare who he is. We're going to meditate on who he is. We're going to access that more than we're accessing anything else. Amen? Let's close in prayer. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come with a spirit of wonder. That you would invade our homes with a spirit of wonder. Well, we invite you, so it doesn't have to be an invasion. We invite you to come into our homes with a spirit of wonder.
that we would become really good at remembering the goodness of God, remembering who he is, that we would be anchored to the wonder of hope. God, we ask that you would take us deeper into that, that we would testify to your goodness and that when we face trials, we would be able to bring that to remembrance for ourselves and on behalf of one another. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To learn more about us, please visit livingwatersmn.org. Thank you.